Hello and welcome to episode 166 of the Thinking LSAT podcast in Los Angeles. I'm Nathan Fox with me in Vienna, Virginia is Ben Olson. Ben, you super excited about the election results? Uh, I actually am not. I haven't checked them even. Uh, I'm in Washington, D.C. today, though. Oh, you are? Oh, shit. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Got your location no, wrong. no worries. In the nation's capital, newly elected <laughs> Ben Olson. <laughs> yes, I was called to D.C. No, I uh, voted for libertarian candidates, and I knew they would lose, and um, I don't have a strong opinion about the outcome of yesterday's election. So I haven't even looked. Yeah, I um, kind of looked just because it's all over Twitter. So I know that sure. the Democrats won the House and the Republicans kept the Senate. And I just looked at it all and I was like, you know, I really don't give a shit. It doesn't like it has it does just hasn't doesn't really have any practical effect on my life. The our government is designed for gridlock and we are having gridlock. Yeah, that's yeah, always. no, that's true. I don't know that I would notice any different if uh, Republicans had retained power in the House or uh, had lost power in the Senate, I I don't know if anything would be any different. Yeah, I've I've lived through several worst presidents of of my lifetime already. Um, like basically, everyone always thinks that you know half the country always thinks that whoever's the president is the worst president of all time. Sure, mm-hmm. uh, you're old enough to know that, Ben. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, so, you know, like I remember when everybody was just absolutely hysterical about George W. Bush and, um, you know, we lived through it. <laughs> like, yeah. Did maybe bad shit happened. Yeah, I know. And then we had Obama who like my people love Obama, right? My team loves yeah. Obama. That was yeah. the greatest ever, except for then the other half of the country thought Obama was the worst president ever. And now we have Trump who's clearly an asshole mm-hmm. and just real obnoxious to even listen to. Yeah. But as far as whether he's actually doing anything, I, I don't know. Whatever. It'll all be over soon. Yeah. I'm not real concerned. I don't even know who I voted for. Can I say something? This is probably illegal. Wait, is it illegal? illegal. I don't know if it's illegal. You're going to say something illegal? I think so. Yeah. Okay. You ready? Please. Yeah. Okay. I, um, I don't know who I voted for because I just signed my absentee ballot and gave it to my friend. Oh, interesting. Is it illegal to have someone vote on your behalf? I don't know that it is is it i don't know like if you grant them the authority to do so i think they maybe can i don't know that's interesting Ooh, i'm not well, naming so maybe names some, i'm not I'm saying sure who it was because i don't want to implicate anybody else but <laughs> my smart friend who cares i just gave my ballot to him yeah oh, wow okay so uh dear listeners i'm sure someone is jumping up and down and knows the answer so please tell us <laughs> i'm sure our whole listenership hates us right now for not really caring about <laughs> politics <laughs> our listeners are like so political and we're just like um, what is wrong with don't you really care. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well you know what i have to say about that mm. go to law school fuckers and then let's see how much you care about all this stuff <laughs> as your life continues to go downhill because <laughs> i was like i was i was definitely political before law school after yeah. law school i was just like eh, well all right <laughs> it is actually why i chose to go to uh george washington it was in the nation's capital and i thought oh that would be so wonderful to go and study the law in a political environment and be able to get exposure to that which just turned me off from the whole thing yeah well we had a very similar experience there yeah. <laughs> Today on the show, we are going to uh, have a heads up on revoked privileges. <laughs> we have a list of all of our revoked privileges. So you can uh, just a refresher, reminder of all the things that you're not allowed to do, according to me and Ben. Um, <laughs> we have two different offers that someone received from Barry Law in the same day. Wow. Uh, Barry oh. Law is a um, pretty constant source of... Uh, comedy isn't it there's like weird is it, there's always is it really? weird emails yeah i don't remember the schools i just remember making fun of them yeah oh that's true too maybe i'm just conflating barry law with all the other no i i wouldn't be surprised wow that's yeah. it, it's, it's a weird name too uh an update from ben's student who changed his reading comprehension strategy can't wait to hear that mm. a listener who really struggles with the sufficient and necessary distinction oh boy going to have to sort that out because if you don't know the difference between those two you are just basically screwed on the LSAT um a different student of Ben's has a Miss Bubbling saga mm-hmm. and then we're going to hopefully get to some more of those awesome LSAT India logical reasoning questions cool 
Yeah, sounds good. I'm excited. Um, yeah. Thanks, Sarah, for putting together such an awesome agenda for the show today. Email the show, help at thinkinglsat.com. When you do, please send us a uh, study selfie, goofy selfie, selfie of you swimming with sharks or uh, piloting helicopters or just, I don't know, whatever selfies you got. Um, we like to put those with our posts so that the listeners can see the other listeners instead of having to look at me and Ben all the time. We have a podcast, Thinking LSAT podcast group on Facebook, which now has 1,056 members. So you can follow us there if you would like to chat with other listeners about the show. Uh, while you're doing that, you might as well give the Thinking LSAT Facebook page a like. There's a link in the Facebook group, or you can just search at Thinking LSAT on Facebook. Anyway, hit all the likes, do all the things, give us some support. We would appreciate that. Uh, we are all on Twitter. The show is at Thinking LSAT. I am at NFox. And Ben is at Olson Benjamin. If you follow me on Twitter this week, you got to see a picture of my snack that I was having. Wait, what? Really? I was I was having a snack, and I tweeted a picture of my snack, oh. and it was a it was green apple slices mm-hmm. with sriracha. Wow, I'm I'm looking on Twitter right now. I'm curious. Got to find you. Okay, I'm yeah, cool. Green apple slices with sriracha. You're welcome, everybody out there. It's a delicious snack if you like spicy things. Okay. Um, okay. You can visit strategyprep.com and foxlsat.com to learn about all of our services, including live classes in D.C., L.A., San Francisco, and all sorts of online and one-on-one options. You can also go to lsatdemon.com, but we're going to talk about that in the first email. So you want to go ahead and take that one, Ben? Yeah. Uh, okay. So, yeah. So someone wrote in, uh, as, as anyone who's been following along knows, we um, continue to develop the demon, which means we continue to add new features, but adding new features also introduces new challenges. And one challenge that (laughs) we didn't care as much about, um, just because we feel like the product itself is more important, is that some users uh, were able to extend their free trial again. So there was this like error. And this, this user writes in, I finished my first week of the LSAT demons free trial. While trying to enter payment information, I somehow reactivated another week of free trial. Naturally, I don't want to question good things. At the same time, I'm too thankful for you guys to show any bad faith. You can identify my profile with the same email address I'm sending you this email from. P.S. The demon is freaking awesome. Logic games are finally clicking for me, and it feels amazing. Thank you all for this product! Exclamation point. Thank you. We actually have received several of these emails from people who said that they went to pay, but then were given the option to renew their uh, free trial again. And they reached out to us and said, hey, we want to pay you. So I just included this because I was grateful for all the people that are <laughs> helping us out despite our our technical difficulties and our inability to charge you. Now, we have uh, worked that out yesterday, so it should be working now, but um, thank you. Yeah, much appreciated. I'm just glad people like it. Freaking yeah. awesome. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I Yeah, I'm into that. That's, that's excellent. Uh, and where can people learn more about that? Uh, LSATdemon.com. LSATdemon.com. Great. I should say, we just added a new feature, by the Ooh, way, that yeah. people can contact us directly through the uh, app now. And ask for additional explanations, right? Yep, that's right. So we're about to get inundated with requests for new explanations, right? Yeah, we did two things at once. We um, freed up questions that don't have explanations, so now people have more access to more questions. But there's some questions out there that we haven't ever had a chance to talk about. And if that happens, um, you can contact us directly through the app, and we'll get back to you. And even if there is an explanation and you feel still a little confused email us through the app and we'll get back to you. Yeah, I do that in my my online class all the time, which um, it looks like we're moving toward kind of lumping those two things together, Yeah, Ben. Um, but anyway, for now, we still have kind of separate worlds and then a, a combined world. Um, we got to figure out how to get joined forces on that. But I love it when people say, hey, this old video that you shot, you know, I have a question about it or it doesn't fully explain like, why is this other wrong answer wrong or something? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then I get a, I get a chance to take another shot at it. So are we going to leave multiple explanations in the demon? Yeah. Yep. Okay. That's going to be great. Yeah. Beautiful. Can't wait. All right. Want to talk about these revoked privileges? We do. Yeah. Or I do. Yeah. 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 
Um, a listener, Senna, chimed in when Ben asked for a full list of uh, of revoked privileges. I'm not sure if anybody else uh, also joined in on that, but uh, yeah, how do we how do we want to handle these? Let's just start at the top. So a long time ago, we praised someone for their use of the semicolon. And you and I both talked about how we liked the semicolon. And for whatever reason, this started a trend of users writing in and using semicolons throughout their emails or their personal statements. And pretty universally uh, failed, right? Like, I don't think we came across hardly any semicolons that were used correctly or well. And so eventually we just threw up our hands and said, I'm sorry, but all semicolon privileges have been revoked from all future listeners. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And yet, and yet, we still get emails and we still get personal statements that use the semicolon. And not only do they use the semicolon, but they almost universally use the semicolon incorrectly or obnoxiously. Yeah, it's like you can see that they tried, right? They're like, oh, can I use this here now? You you want any writing convention that comes to your mind, you want it to come to mind because you have a need that you're trying to fulfill, not because you have some writing convention that you now want to use, right? Then you're forcing your writing to conform to your convention rather than using the convention to fulfill some sort of writing purpose. Yeah, it was a little abstract, but I feel like people are trying to force the semicolon into their writing to use it because they want to use it and they heard that it's cool. It's such a bummer that the semicolon is on the home row of the keyboard. Mm. What a waste that is. What a waste of real estate. Yeah, that's interesting. Because people just should not be using it. No. And Um, we like the semicolon, right? Like, (laughs) let's clarify here. We like it, but we like it when it's well used, which is rare. And used uh, in certain circumstances that add a little bit of clarity. But in almost all cases. I love using it. Mm-hmm. it. It comes out naturally for me. I know how to use it correctly. And so it just comes out naturally as part of my writing. It's mm-hmm. definitely not something that I think about. Mm-hmm. But then even when I reread my own shit, which I do before I send it out, <laughs> which apparently some other people don't. Yeah. Um, but when I reread it, I frequently just, oh, I didn't need, I could just make this two sentences Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) or I'll notice that I used a semicolon in two sentences in a row or even two paragraphs in a row. And then it's just like, well, all right. Like, what are you trying to show off or what are you doing? Yeah. And so then I just end up like removing those people also annoyingly use them in lists Mm -hmm. in, in, in contexts where a comma would have been perfectly fine. Yeah. Now, you technically can use it to create lists if you have commas within your items, but then you have to really think about what kind of list are you putting together? Are you an attorney who's being annoying and having a string of things that have a lot of commas in it, or are you just doing things that you could do as separate sentences? Yeah, I gave the feedback to one of our personal statement service uh clients. By the way, we have a state, uh, personal statement service <laughs> that you can learn about at thinkinglsat.com if you would like to pay us to help with your personal statement. Um, so one of our clients put a comment asking, like, is this a run-on sentence? And mm-hmm. my, my response was just like, dude, yes. If you have any inkling that you think it might be a run-on sentence, mm-hmm. then even if it's not like technically a run-on sentence, it's a shitty sentence. Yeah. It's your sentence. You can write it any way you want. Mm-hmm. So just, <laughs> yes, if you think this is annoying, if you think this is awkward, if you think this just doesn't sound right for whatever reason, then rewrite that shit, please. Mm-hmm. Like, just change it. Make it better. Yeah. <laughs> Try harder. Try harder. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What else? Uh, what other privileges yeah. have been revoked? So another one is the exclamation point. <laughs> I feel like this is a generational thing almost. Everybody, you know, is excited about everything, especially more than one. Like I can tolerate one at the end of a sentence, 
and at the end of one sentence in your entire email. Like then I could see it being used effectively. You're trying to convey particular emphasis on that idea. But when multiple sentences in your email, a personal statement, well, your personal statement shouldn't even have an exclamation point. But if multiple sentences in your email have an exclamation point, you're abusing that excitement. And now nothing's exciting because everything's exciting. And then uh, if you put more than one at the end of the sentence, I feel like that's just annoying. <laughs> so I think there was a Seinfeld episode where one of the gang like broke up. I think it might have been Elaine broke up with a boyfriend because he used too many exclamation points. Oh, really? That's <laughs> yeah. hilarious. I love that show. Yeah. I need to start watching that again. I've been to watch all these news shows and it's stupid. Yeah. Got to go back to Seinfeld. Try you just true. don't seem like a TV watcher, Ben. I actually am not much of a TV watcher, but sometimes I'll get into a show and then I kind of think like, why did I watch that? Although I really liked Ozark. Ozark's great. Did you watch this? I finished the second season. Yep, finished the second season. Uh, I haven't seen it yet. It, was it good? You liked it? I liked it. Yeah, I mean, it got a little more bizarre, as all shows do. You know, as they continue to dive into their world of <laughs> craziness. But um, <laughs> yeah, I, I still. The other day it. in class, I went around the room and said, you know, like say your name and uh, I don't know, say just a show you watched recently or something. Mm-hmm. And everybody had lengthy TV recommendations that they were all into. Yeah. Yeah. And we got got back around to the end of the thing. And I just kind of stood there for a second. And I was like, all y'all need to stop watching TV. <laughs> what are you doing? Like, they sounded like great recommendations. Uh-huh. But I was just like, wait, so you're studying for the LSAT. Yeah. You're trying to be a lawyer. You got work and school and other obligations, you're telling me how you haven't maybe had enough time to study, <laughs> but you got plenty of TV recommendations, don't you? Yeah. Just made me kind of, I don't know, I just noticed, you know, mm-hmm. that they, they, were, they were just effusive and they just immediately had so many recommendations for TV. Yeah. Like maybe you shouldn't have that. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. All right. Exclamation points are super annoying. Please don't use them. I mean, like people submit again, people submit personal statements with exclamation points. That is unacceptable. I would literally prefer that you put an emoji in your personal statement than an exclamation (laughs) point. (laughs) That's not even a lie. One emoji would be like sort of clever. I mean, please God, don't do it. Jesus Christ. Now we're getting getting emojis. (laughs) But I think I would prefer it to an exclamation point. Huh? Okay. Yeah. Exclamation point in a personal statement is real annoying. Yeah. Yeah, I guess is. if you're quoting someone else, maybe. I was thinking just that. I was like, maybe yeah. you could quote. But even then, do, do, do they need to yell? Can you just say yeah. they yelled it? Yeah. So another one is uh, the word utilized or utilized. Oh, that's mine. You yeah. don't ever need that. I agree with you 100% on that one. Um, if you hadn't said it, I would. Uh, yeah, unnecessary. The, the LSAT uses that all the time. It's on the test all the time. Mm, but mm. I mean, that's because they are intentionally trying to obfuscate, right? Yes. Ooh, big they, word. They they want to take good writing and make it shitty. Mm-hmm. So they just change used to utilized, and now they've just made it clunkier. Like, let's just add syllables without adding meaning. Yep. Same is obfuscate the obfuscate's a useful word, isn't it? It or is. A good, just, it is a good. Should word. I say something else? Uh, no, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I don't use it in normal speech, but I, I know what you mean. It means to, to make obscure or to hide the meaning. Yeah, I would say hide, but it just, you'd have to say they're trying to hide the meaning. Yeah. So it's right? more words, which is not necessarily better. Yeah. I guess okay. you could say they're trying to confuse, but. They're trying to confuse you <laughs> they're trying to confuse right? you because obfuscate yeah, yeah i guess hmm all right maybe i should just say confuse i don't know it's should not I revoke bad. my own privileges <laughs> revoke your own privileges. Oh, well, everybody's gonna start using that word now if you say it's great um uh, i i don't know I, I i don't necessarily think that's a bad one but it is not something i would say in normal conversation so maybe a better yeah. word Listeners, don't please don't don't use that word. You're not going to use it correctly. 
You're going to stretch to use it, and it's going to be really annoying. Generally speaking, just like stop trying to use words. You know, mm-hmm. like sure. if you have to try to use that word, <laughs> then just no, that's not how people talk. Yeah. It's weird because uh, you do want to know these words. Like you need oh, yeah. to know them so you can hear and understand what other people are saying, but then you don't turn around and serve that same shit to someone else. <laughs> right? Like you need to be able to eat shit, but you don't need to turn around and give it out. <laughs> Yeah, read read every book so that you know every word. And then if those words come out of you naturally where you don't even notice that you're saying them, then they, you will be using them correctly. Yeah. But if you're stretching to try to use a fancy word, then you're going to sound like a dick. Mm-hmm. Okay, what's next? Prior to. It mm. can always be replaced with before, which is way more natural and only one word. Yeah, prior um, to. Ugh. That's a very lawyerly, just real obnoxious. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think very, I ever say that or write that. Yeah. There's a ton of words that lawyers love, but just need to be banned. Like inter alia. Do you remember that one? <laughs> yeah. What the hell does that mean? Uh, I think it means including but not limited to. Oh, yeah. Or among other things. I think it means among other things. Which is a very lawyerly thing to say, right? They're giving you a list of 10 different things you cannot do. Um, included, but not lim- to- including but not limited to. Yeah. They just have to like <laughs> add that on because they're like, we don't want you to think that this is not the only things. Like there are some more things and we're not going to pretend to know everything. Wow. Instead of saying it in English, they for some reason feel like it's cooler to say it in Latin. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, I felt. Yep. Please don't say I felt. People it, people do that in their personal statements all the time. Like, seriously, go get your personal statement right now. Do control F and just search for the word felt. Mm-hmm. If it says felt in there, you you got a problem because you're just telling. That's just telling. You're, mm-hmm. you're telling me how you, you, you want to just, I felt this emotion. It's like, okay, but you could have showed me. <laughs> a factual situation in which I could have naturally inferred how you felt and then yeah. I would have felt it. <laughs> but yeah. instead you're going to tell me how you felt and it's just boring and I just don't believe you. You know, I'm just not going to feel it if you're telling me how you felt. So, uh, yeah, definitely get rid of that. What else? Yep. <laughs> so the next one that, uh, <laughs> Wait, who created this list again? <laughs> um, well, Senna sent it in, and then I think Sarah oh, might have. Yeah, I think Sarah might have might have tacked on. I think Senna may have included this one. <laughs> uh, burst into applause. So this is a direct <laughs> reference to the personal statement that we read last week. Yeah, yeah. In general, <laughs> don't say this, even if it's true, because we won't believe you. <laughs> yeah, and general, and I guess maybe what was meant by that was just the generally speaking. Like, if there's a detail that is just so outrageous, like so hard to believe, then yeah, you're, you're going to, you want to potentially just not even include it. You got to think mm-hmm. about like, is, is a skeptical reader <laughs> when Ben and Nathan read this, are they going to actually think that it happened or are they going, you know, <laughs> I mean, we will believe you, right? We're willing to believe you. Um, mm-hmm. but we're, we're also going to be, uh, we're going to tell you what that, just what the optics are, you know, here's, here's yeah. how it, here's how this feels if we didn't know you and didn't trust you. Uh, so yeah, sometimes certain, certain details just need to be toned down because otherwise it just looks fake. Okay. So we're going to keep it, uh, uh, we're going to keep track of these yes. so that everybody knows. Okay. Beautiful. I, I, I would add one more and this isn't so much from the podcast as it is from personal statements that we've been reviewing recently. I noticed that a lot of people will refer to an individual and then describe that person using the word that. And because mm. it's a person, you need to use the word who. Mm. So, for example, um, the coworker who left early is how you would describe your coworker who left early. But the people will write that left early. Yeah, that left early. You've just turned that person into a thing. And you may not realize it because we use the word that with people all the time, uh, but that's not correct. And if your law school uh, knows what they're doing, they will see that 
and they will realize that you do not know the difference between a person and a thing, Ooh. at least when it comes to grammar. Wow. Okay. All right. Um, let's. So thanks uh, everybody for putting that list together. We'll 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 keep a running list. I'm sure as we go through the personal statements, um, more and more of these are going to pop up because there's lots of lots of common things that people do. So we'll try yeah. to highlight those on future cool. episodes of the show. Um, yeah. All right. Next email says, "Hi guys, I enjoy the show. Thought y'all might like these attached emails I received from Barry Law within the span of a few hours. Maybe if I keep ignoring them, they'll just keep adding to the discount they're willing to give me." There's a good bit of desperate stuff in these, but I also thought it was funny that they're trying to get me to apply for spring 2019 when I haven't even taken an official test yet. I definitely will not be doing that. Thanks, Joe. So email one, the subject line is scholarship opportunity now with all three words capitalized. This is coming from law admissions at barry.edu. Mm-hmm. This was sent uh, in the middle, late of October, and it says, Dear Joseph, based on your academic credentials, you may be eligible for a scholarship up to $15,500 for law school this spring 2019. You may also qualify for additional funds, such as grants and stipends. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, apply today to be eligible for the money that is available as of today, even without your CAS report. Italicized. What the hell? That's incredible. The earlier applications submitted, comma, the greater the availability of money. What? <laughs> funny, funny money. Funny oh money. A God. discount is not actually money. Oh my goodness. Uh, this there's a lot to complain about here. That last sentence, that's not even a sentence. The earlier applications submitted, comma, the greater <laughs> the availability of money. That's a sentence fragment. Yeah, the earlier applications are submitted, the greater the availability of money. There are That'd two be- spaces between all of these sentences. Oh my goodness. It's been f- Three, three or four sentences and a fragment, and it's already had bold in one part and italics in another part. And yellow. And, um, that might... Um, no, that's, I think, the listener highlighting it. <clears throat> oh, okay. Yeah. Thank you. Um, you do not need to wait for your LSAT score, transcripts, or letters of recommendations. Then it goes into italics again. We have seats available with a remainder of of a financial award for each seat. Uh, that's confusing. The fuck does that even mean? <laughs> with a remainder? <laughs> with what? Uh, okay. Bear, don't please don't go to Barry Law School. I don't just, ever. Go, no. You know what? Talk about revoked privileges. Your privilege to go to Barry Law has been revoked. Yeah. No one is allowed to go there ever no. again. Yeah. Sorry, this this law school needs to go out of business, or whoever this is in the admissions office just needs to be fired. I mean, because they really, <laughs> you you are definitely reducing the prestige of your school by sending out just garbage like this. This I mean, is so bad. It's super desperate, and it's just a horribly written email. And it, <laughs> if you are interested in fall twenty nineteen. 100% of the class is eligible for a financial award. We are accepting all LSAT exams for both spring and fall 2019 applications. Additionally, we take your highest score exclamation point. <laughs> and there's there's bold in there again. The the 100% is underlined. Mhm. Um should we say, "Oh yeah, that's another revoked privilege, Ben?" What, underlining? Bold, <laughs> italics, and underlined. All three of them. Yeah. Unnecessary. Yeah. Totally unnecessary. Yeah. I, I fall into the trap of doing that sometimes, like going with italics mm. and stuff, but it is lazy. It's like, it's like if you have to use italics to highlight something, then you could have said it in a better way. You just yeah. could have rewritten it to make you it You need to say out. it shorter or yep. yeah, more impactful. By the way, this also ends with the word or the sentence, additionally, we take your highest <laughs> score. Additionally is a word that you never need to use. 
ever in the English language. You don't you even need always... to substitute for it. You don't even need to substitute for it. But if for some reason you absolutely have to, also, which is only four letters, mm. and and, which is only three letters, is perfectly acceptable at the beginning of a sentence. Yeah, I would prefer and. I actually, mm-hmm. I don't mind at all when sentences start with the word and. Yeah. But, you know, it's like here... <laughs> You could have also just put, we take your highest score. It's like, yeah, we, take we know score. you are additionally telling us something else. <laughs> you have something else to say? Okay, tell it. <laughs> Otherwise, you could say additionally at the beginning of every sentence. Yeah. Um, okay. This is, uh, boy, strong contender for worst law school email that we have received. Worst email. Uh, grammar mistakes, stylistic mistakes, and content is awful. The message is awful. Um, the underlying <laughs> message is awful. The, the implication for the school. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like you don't even need your score or anything. Just, just, and like, we're, we're going to give you money. Apply today. Call now, you know, and for what? So that you could get a discount to a shitty school. Yeah. Like, of course you are going to give me a discount. You're going to give 100% of the class a discount. You just said that right in your stupid email. Yeah. No sense of, no sense of respect for themselves. <laughs> I wonder what the tuition is because they're offering here 15500 for spring. I bet it's around thirty. That's yeah. my guess. Yeah. So then Joe gets another email. Oh, yeah. Uh, two and a half hours later <laughs> on the same Friday. Oh, my goodness. Boy, they're really trying to close some business here at the end of the week. Wow. Got to hit their numbers. Dear Joseph. It's the same email. It's the exact same for, email. Yep, it's the exact same email, except for now it's eighteen thousand dollars instead of fifteen five. It's now eighteen. <laughs> Are you kidding me? So like this email went out, and then someone else in the office was like, "Wait, did you mean to do fifteen five? I thought we were going up to 18. And they said, uh, "Yeah, we are going up to eighteen. We'll send it again." <laughs> <laughs> And the reason they can go up so easily is because they're not actually giving you right. any money. Right. <laughs> they're yeah. giving you a discount. Yeah. I mean, the tuition could be 35000 and they could just make, you know, they could give you a $34,000 discount. And you're still giving them money and they're not <laughs> giving you anything. Yeah. You're still giving them money for their crappy school. So why are you doing that? I wonder if I know anybody at Barry Law School. I hope not. <laughs> I hope everyone has managed to avoid this place because this, this seems like a sinking ship to me. Yeah. Um, wow. That's brutal. Okay. Should we move on? Yep. Hi, Ben. I just wanted to let you know that your advice on not marking reading comp has been really helpful. Oh, this is sounding good. On my previous three practice exams, I lost 10, seven, and six questions on each reading section and felt super pressed for time. I've been killing the homework reading comp and just did a time section where I dropped four, all level five difficulty questions but I finished with three minutes remaining. Most importantly, I really felt like the questions were faster and easier without taking notes. I've realized that it takes longer to review and decipher my frantic scribbling than to just use my memory. As someone who had kind of given up on making gains for this section, this is a game changer. Thanks. Ben student. Wow. (laughs) Do you know who that is? I don't know who this is. Yeah. But it's somebody that emailed the show. Nice. Yeah. I can figure out who it is, but I don't know right now. Um, that's awesome. Any thoughts on that? Well, yeah. Just, I, I think the advice goes for logical reasoning as well. I've been thinking about this a lot lately, where mm. if you're writing down things for LR or for, for reading comp, you are necessarily changing the meaning because you can't write all the words Mm -hmm. you're going to be writing it into like these shorthand, like abstractions. Yeah. And so one, you could be like putting it into your own words is good because you have to understand Mm -hmm. the meaning of it. Sure. But when you start, um, writing down, like, especially if you're going to do it with like logical statements, Mm -hmm. you're now like changing the meaning of the sentences. Yeah. And like, what your student here is saying with the frantic scribbling. I mean, I've seen people do this. Like I look over their shoulder and, and I'm, I look at it. I just like, what does that even say? Mm-hmm. And you can't tell because they're just going nuts. Right. Yeah. 
underlining too much, making notes um, on the reading comp or trying to do diagrams on the logical reasoning. It all yeah. just seems like a big waste of time to me. I, I feel like you should just read it better and understand it better instead of trying to mark up your page on those sections. Yeah. I think with the diagramming on the logical reasoning, I just think if you can do it, you probably don't need to. Mm -hmm. Like if you can do it accurately, you probably don't need to. Yeah. And then if you can't do it accurately, well then it's not helping you anyway. Like all it's going to do is waste time and you're going to miss the question anyway. Yeah. Right. So by all means make diagrams as necessary on the logic games, but on the reading comp. Yeah. I, definitely don't think it's helping anybody i agree yeah i (laughs) people resist that though like it's such a safety blanket for them i think Mm -hmm. it's like i'll have people who only do three passages and and then they want like tips or extra help or whatever and then i look and i see that they've done all this diagramming and underlining and note taking and stuff and i'm like well why don't you not you could try not doing that Mm -hmm. but then people think it helps them yeah and it's like, okay, well, but you're doing three passages, not four. So <laughs> is it helping you? I don't yeah. know. At yeah. least give it like at least an experiment, right? Like try it for a few weeks. Yeah. Okay. Um, next one. Sure. All right. Dear Nathan and Ben, I hope you two are doing great. Are you doing great, Ben? I am doing great, actually. Thank you. Yeah. I've been getting some good sleep lately, too. Really? Yeah. Have you, have you been doing anything in particular? Uh, so this is a little strange. and um, But I had a Fitbit that told me how much sleep I got. Yeah. And then the band broke. And so I didn't get a new band because I'm, I don't know, there's too much going on in life or something. Mm-hmm. And so now I don't know when I go to sleep or how much sleep I got or whatever. I just fall asleep. And then I just wake up and for some reason... I'm like, oh, I just wake up. With, I don't know, and and so for some reason, I'm like not thinking about it. it. Means I sleep. I wake wake up when I feel like I should wake up, and I feel rested. Hmm. It's great. Makes sense. Makes sense. I mean, it reminds me a lot of remember when listener Mike had a freak out on the night before the LSAT, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then we gave our insomnia tips. But that, I mean, my number one tip for insomnia is to just like not worry about not sleeping. Yeah. Right. That you should just lay there calmly and just get some rest. And yeah. you, it doesn't matter if you're sleeping or not. Cause if trying to force yourself to sleep is a sure way to keep yourself up. Right. Mm-hmm. So that sounds like that's what's happening with you. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder, I think that's part of it. <laughs> now that we're charging people for the demon, um, you can afford to get a new band for your Fitbit. So <laughs> <I can. laughs> maybe, maybe you'll stop sleeping as well. Yeah. I'll start stressing out. Yeah. I did buy some <clears throat> melatonin too at the store. And I don't really use it, but they taste good. So sometimes when I do use them, it's like got this strawberry taste, you know. And so I was just like, I was just like, I can eat. I can just keep eating them. I I don't know. It says it's safe, so I I don't know if it's a problem that I just like consume them. But I think it works too. Well, that you've helps. been sleeping well. Yeah, been sleeping real well. Yeah. <laughs> wow. If you disappear for like a week, I'm gonna just have to. <laughs> ben ate too much melatonin. <laughs> I don't know. Anyways, I'm just not really thinking about it. I don't think about whether I ate them or not, how many I ate them or What's, how many I ate. And I maybe just, you shouldn't yeah. have your melatonin in a candy dish out like next to your television. It <laughs> tastes good. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I hope you two are doing great. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing great. Um, if you read this long email, then please include some discussion on it in your podcast. Yep. Okay. I would like to get your opinion on the conditional logic used in the LSAT. But first, I would like to write how I studied and understood different conditional logic statements. That's a lot of sentences that aren't really saying anything. Yeah, they're all like, I'm about to tell you what I'm about to tell you. I would like to write how I... mm, Okay, how about we just get to the point? 
I once wrote to you that I have studied programming languages and other inductive slash deductive mathematical statements during my study in electrical engineering. I also wrote codes during programming, which contained if-then logic. I find that somehow my previous understanding is preventing me to sync with the logic of the statements contained in the LSAT questions. I thoroughly understand your sufficient and necessary logic when used with if-then, unless, only, and until, etc. We need to add that to the revoked privileges. Etc. Yep. yep. Unnecessary. Oh, also IE and EG. Those need to go on the list. As well. Oh, yeah. Those are good. Yep. Sarah, please help. Yep. And some other conditional modifiers along with the concept of contrapositive. Mm. Okay. What I need to know... The, here we got bold and <laughs> underlined. <laughs> All what right. I need to know from both of you is that wouldn't it be better if I don't complicate my understanding by going too much into the sufficient slash necessary condition or other necessary conditions? I have no idea what that means. I don't either. Can't help you if you're not. That just doesn't make that. That is that is not a question. If it wouldn't. Wouldn't it be better if I don't complicate my understanding by going too much into the sufficient necessary condition or other necessary conditions? Well, you have to understand that there's a sufficient condition and a necessary condition. When they're there, they're there. I think what this person is probably trying to say is they're trying to say, hey, look, you guys talk about the concepts of necessary and sufficient on the show wouldn't it be better just to focus on if then or something like that and not get too caught up in this language maybe? And one thing that I've found over time is that students who gain an intuitive understanding of the meaning of the word sufficient and of the meaning of the word necessary – do a much better job of dealing with sentences that impose necessary and sufficient conditions on other things because they understand that sentence intuitively. They understand, oh, this is saying that this thing is required. Like they can interchange the word necessary with essential, with required, with requirement, with must. They all understand that those words mean necessary on an intuitive level and what that means for the sentence. And when they can do that, they can easily translate that sentence into if then accurately and then back into a plain English sentence without drawing anything. And those test takers, I think, do the best. They also move the fastest through the material because they understand that a necessary or a sufficient condition has been imposed by the sentence that they just read. It's just common sense. You know, the sufficient necessary condition is is just common sense and but but they don't need to give you the keywords right they don't necessarily give you if then or only or unless or any of that stuff right mm-hmm. i mean they could say open the window and you'll get some fresh air yep right i mean there's yeah. no there's no keyword there but mm-hmm. it's super common sense that the window open the window that's the sufficient condition and you'll get some fresh air is the necessary condition. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, of course, that doesn't mean that if you get fresh air, you had to open the window because you could go outside or yeah. your roof could fly off your house or whatever. Like there's a, you know, so you have to understand conditional logic, but it's just, <laughs> it's just common sense. So I think maybe I ask people like, what's the trigger Mm-hmm. That's another way of thinking about it, right? When you see mm-hmm. any sentence, if if there is conditional logic there, it's just like, okay, well, what's the trigger? Mm-hmm. You know, is it one thing or it's, is it the other thing? Mm-hmm. It's, it's only going to be one or the other. Yeah. Right? So which is the thing that makes another thing known? Yep. The next sentence, wouldn't it be possible to focus on the literal dictionary meaning of simple yet confusing words like until, unless, only, whether, one, all, some, few, none, neither, etc. 
the one word in here, well, I guess there's two actually, but the one word in here that uh, I think people tend to not understand intuitively is the word unless. And I think it stems from the fact that people don't use that word correctly in everyday speech. So I, I, I don't know if I've shared this on the show before, but the example that I always think of is when I was growing up, my parents said things like, you can't play with your friends unless you finish all your jobs or something like that. Yep. And what that means is that I have to finish my jobs if I want any chance of playing with my friends. <laughs> yeah. But as a kid, I interpreted it as, you know, oh, okay, so if I finish my jobs, then I can go play with my friends. And in a lot of cases, that was true because it was the only necessary condition <laughs> imposed upon me before I could play with my friends. But the problem is that then people hear that sentence, oh, you can't play with your friends unless you do your jobs. And they turn the do your jobs into a sufficient condition rather than into a necessary condition. And so <clears throat> that's one that I like to talk through with people all the time. But again, I'm trying to talk through it and explain that, no, this is a doing your jobs is a necessary condition. It's something that you have to do. Um, but just because you do it doesn't mean that now all of a sudden you will be able to go play with your friends. You may have some other necessary condition. Maybe you also have to um, finish your homework. Yeah. And Another way of thinking about it, of course, is unless is if not. So mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you can't play with your friends unless you do your jobs. So if you don't do your jobs, then you can't play with your friends. Yep. Yeah, so but. you can replace unless with if not, or you can talk through it. Another thing is to think about examples that you are familiar with. You can't go to law school unless you take the LSAT. Does that mean that if you take the LSAT, you can now go to law school? No, yeah, maybe very, no yeah. one accepts you, right? Yeah, or, <laughs> or places that call themselves law schools. Um, yeah, so if you think about things you are familiar with, you can see how it's not – creating a sufficient condition, even though some people might jump to that conclusion. But the point is, is you got to use these terms, sufficient and necessary, because they use them in flaw questions. And I think if you understand them, you actually do better just throughout the test. The same is true for necessary and sufficient assumption questions. They're very different from necessary and sufficient conditions, but the words necessary and sufficient still have the same meaning. And so your understanding of those words is best for you in the long run. It says here that there was a lot of additional text asking in several ways with several examples, could you clarify sufficient and necessary? Um, looks like Sarah edited that out. Mm -hmm. Then it says, moreover, I appreciate your approach to reading comprehension passages and not notating while reading them. Reading in interactive manner has allowed me to increase my accuracy manifold. <laughs> I wish I could thank both of you more for your kind help and the lovely podcast. God bless you two more. Profound blessings, Muhammad. Wow. Oh, that's a very nice email. Um, yeah, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> it's common sense. Conditional reasoning is, is common sense. You just have to be able to read it and figure out what the trigger is on the rule. That's like my final words on that. You can have more final words if you want. My only other final word would be that the LSAT considers the if clause or the trigger that Nathan is referring to as the sufficient condition and the then clause as the necessary condition. Yep. Cool. All right. Next yeah. one? Yeah. Wow. Okay. So <clears throat> this is a student of mine who misbubbled on the official test, if I remember Oof. correctly. Uh, but something actually surprising happened here. I, I think LSAT ended up changing their score and i was surprised by that wow yeah so that's why this is on the episode um the email says hey ben i hope all is well i'm sorry to be bothering you but i found myself in a bit of a predicament and wanted to see if you may have any advice after your class i took the lsat three times and kept being a bit under my practice tests yeah good be persistent i took it a fourth this weekend and felt the best I had during the actual test. As I looked back, winding down section five, I noticed I had only bubbled 26 
for my RC section. I briefly looked back to confirm that it was the standard 27, and I realized that my answer from 27 was in 26. Yeah, that sucks. However, I couldn't not review any further or correct. I couldn't not review. Just couldn't. That's an extra word there. <laughs> yep. I am not sure whether I misbubbled just the final two or forgot one earlier in the section leading to a prolonged subsequent misbubbling, which would greatly change my score. Yep. This leaves me wondering a couple things. First, should I cancel so I don't run the risk of a much lower score on record, or is it worth taking a chance? I only misbubbled a few, and worst case, write an addendum. So at this point, I told him not to cancel because worst case, he just says, hey, I got a really bad score, but I misbubbled. Sorry. But if he didn't miss bubble, then great. He gets a good score, and now he gets the fruits of that. Yeah, if you cancel, you're taking it again. If you don't cancel and you miss bubbled and you get a shitty score, then you're taking it again. So there's not really any benefit to canceling. Nope. Second, have you heard of any successful appeals to hand score for this? My deep dive into the Internet has led to finding people saying that in this situation – the LSAC was actually willing to acknowledge the pattern was thrown off by one and misgraded and gave them back the points. <laughs> Obviously, others said that they were told no, and most speculation found it unlikely. I wrote back and I was like, I just don't feel like the LSAC is going to tolerate this sort of stuff because how do you draw the line, right? Anyways, that's what I told this person. I said, don't cancel and don't expect to get help from the LSAC. They wrote back, hey, Ben. Just figured I would follow up and say thanks again. It turns out I misbubbled most of my final RC passage. I ended up with a 169 that would have been a 174. Exclamation point. I hate to lose that potential score, but at least I know I am capable of hitting my practice scores on test day. I'll be back for one final round in November. Your help, not only achieving my goals on this test, but always being open to answering questions is truly appreciated. Well, you're welcome. Third email. Hey, Ben. The hand scoring request actually worked. Wow. Exclamation point. I was beyond surprised, but I was awarded the points in my miss. What is going on? Grid. Yeah. They, people. Th I don't know. It's like something that people say on the forums that you shouldn't be reading. Okay. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> I appreciate the email. Anyway, I had given up on it when I wrote my earlier email, but a few days later, I received a new score email and another email saying that my hand scoring was processed. I guess this is another story about why not to cancel scores. Thanks always for your guidance in class and beyond. After starting the class in the 150s, I now proudly have an official score in the 170s. Yep. Holy cow. So I did not have any faith that hand scoring would <laughs> happen. I mean, I had heard of it, but I just, I don't know. It, to me, it's like, at what point did the person actually start misbubbling? Do they really have any clue? And then... If you're debating one or two questions, how is that fair for anyone else, right? Like I, I figured it's just too messy and they wouldn't even do it, but they did it. Well, if it's the whole – like it was the whole passage here, right? Mm -hmm. And if you're, getting, if you're getting them all right, yeah, which if you're getting the them student all right. was, mm -hmm. then I think it's pretty clear that you could – you know, they can just see, okay, here's, here's where it happened. Mm -hmm. They mm -hmm. clearly are understanding because they're getting them all right. And we yeah. can tell that if we just shift it by one, they're going to get all these ones right. Yeah. If they were ever going to correct something for, you know, hand scoring, that does seem like one where they might give you give it to you. You have to be doing well though. Cuz if the beginning of your hand scoring is muddied because you're getting questions wrong anyway, I think it would be hard to decide where did this person start misbubbling. Yeah. Also, make sure you're practicing with uh, on all of your practice sections. Just make sure you're using bubble sheets so that you can uh get very practiced with your gridding so that you don't uh, make those kinds of mistakes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Glad to hear it. Boy, Ben, your class uh, changed that person's life <laughs> pretty, pretty, pretty significantly. Yeah. Score in the one fifties is like, don't go to law school. Score in the one seventies is go to some of the best law schools in the country for free. Yeah. Yeah. That's exciting. That is cool. Yeah. LSAT India time. LSAT India. Hell yeah. All right. So this is uh, from 2009 LSAT India, section one, question two. And it says, Davisville's mayor. <laughs> Davisville. <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> this reminds me, Ben, have you ever seen, there's a graphic of um, some Japanese baseball game. Okay. And it, it was like an old Nintendo game. Okay. Yeah. And it had rosters, player rosters. Mm, mm-hmm. And the, <laughs> the names were like made up American names. <laughs> And they were hilarious. It's, it is so hilarious. In fact, I'll see if I can find it and send it. We'll, we'll put it into the show notes. Um, because the names were like Sleeve McDykel and oh like Bobson Dugnut and like Ray, R-E-Y, Ray McSriff. <laughs> like all, all sorts. It's just really silly because they like sort of have the echoes of of 80s baseball player, actual yeah. 80s baseball player yeah. names, but they were like, clearly, okay, it was like, well, we can't use those real names, so we're going to change them, but the person who's doing the changing also doesn't really know American names at all. Yeah. Because it was <laughs> it was like sort of, it was funny because it was like American names translated into other f- fake American names by a Japanese person, and it was, just, I don't know, it was just hilarious. I'll see if I can find that. Yeah, you definitely Davis need to Ville find it. Makes me think of that. Um, by, the, by the way, did... Yeah. Um, did we ever talk about all your base are belong to us? Did you, have you seen that? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. So if, if you haven't heard of that, you should Google that. But that's from a like an 80s Japanese video game. But it also reminded me of when I, I lived in Japan. And uh, English is kind of cool in Japan because everybody learns English, but they, you know, they don't actually have to speak it with native speakers. So their English is not great, but they all can somewhat understand it because they have to learn it in school. So... Um, a lot of ads in Japan are in English. Uh, it's got some cachet, I guess. And right. um, but they don't they don't take five minutes to just talk to a native speaker because you're going around. And you're like, okay, I understand that you're trying to sell these cigarettes, but oh, that sentence does not make any sense. Like, <laughs> it's got words and it's got ideas, and they're relating to being cool and smoking. But you know, you could have just called up my my ten year old niece. And talk to her for two minutes, and she would have been like, "Well, cut this word and cut that word, and now it makes sense." But they all think they know English, so they don't do it, yeah. <laughs> and it doesn't matter because everyone who's reading it is all kind of on the same page. So, anyways, all right, we'll see if we can find some of those. Throw them into the show notes. Um, yeah. All right, Davisville's mayor says the Davisville airport is actually located in the city of Millersburg. Millersburg officials have argued that it is illegal for restaurants in the Davisville airport to serve alcoholic beverages because Millersburg has allowed alcoholic beverages. Wait, uh, outlawed. What did I say? Uh, Allowed. (laughs) Oh, outlawed alcoholic (laughs) beverages. But they are mistaken. Since the city of Davisville owns the Davisville airport and it is legal for restaurants to serve alcoholic beverages in Davisville, it is legal for them to do so in the Davisville airport. That's according to Davisville's mayor, clearly an alcoholic. Okay. <laughs> um, so I'm on this dude's team. I, are you kidding me? You're not going to have booze in an airport? If you're not allowed to have booze in an airport, I don't know what the world is coming to, Ben. I, I don't know either. So... What do we think of this? I, I have I have thoughts. I'm well, sure you, you, have thoughts. You, you have taken the Davisville's mayor's side, but since the Davisville's mayor is making this argument, I have to take the other side and say, exactly. well, just because you own the airport does not necessarily mean that you get to decide the laws that apply to the airport. It may actually have to do with where the airport is located, not who owns it. Um, of course, if we were on the other team, we would make the other argument. It's who owns it, not where it's located that matters. But our job is always to play the devil's advocate. Yeah, your job is not to agree. Your job is to disagree. And even if you are also a lush like Davisville's mayor, and even if you really <laughs> would like to have a cocktail before you get on your flight, yeah, um, you need to be able to anticipate the other side's argument. You know, the, the, and I can hear the other side. What if, what if the other side might say, "Well, wait a minute now." So does that mean that if the town of Davisville decides to invest in a restaurant on Main Street in Millersburg? Yeah. Does that mean that now because Davisville owns it, now they can start serving alcohol on Main Street in Millersburg? Mm -hmm. Right? (laughs) That that would be their their argument. Would say, hey, if you do this in the airport, then what's stopping, you know, why can't they do that? Really? Yeah. Surely that can't be correct. Mm Mm-hmm. 
and then this this argument is going to die. So which one of the following principles, if valid, most helps to justify the reasoning in the Davisville mayor's argument? Oh, so now we're being asked a principle question. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we are not. We are being asked to strengthen the Davisville's mayor's argument, which means we need something that says, yeah, the law depends more on who owns the airport than on where the airport is located. Yes, there is no such thing as a principal question. Sorry, Khan Academy. This is a strengthened question, and it's very close to a sufficient assumption question. Mm -hmm. And the world's best strengthener is a sufficient assumption. Yep. Because Wait, you're using that word sufficient. Oh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> what does it mean? <laughs> it means enough. It means enough to prove. Mm -hmm. It means we would have enough information to prove one other thing. Or more so, than enough. Mm -hmm. Yeah, or more than enough, right. Um, so on this type of question, I would frequently predict a sufficient assumption before going into the answer choices. Yeah. Just sort of to prime myself like, hey, you know what? I'm a good lawyer. <laughs> like, I want to win this case. Mm -hmm. If I'm getting hired by Davisville, you know, to, and a plus I want booze in the airport. So I want to win this case. Yeah. Well, the way we win the case is we take the facts that we have and we just glue them to the conclusion that we want. So the fact that we have is, well, Davisville owns this place. And the conclusion we want is, therefore, the law of Davisville applies. Yep. So a great answer would be the town that owns it, all, the, all of their laws control. Like the, if, if you own, if the town owns anything, mm -hmm. then all of the laws of that town apply to that thing. Yep. And that's it, right? Or at least the laws about drinking or something. Yeah. Right. So if we found a softer version where mm -hmm. it was just specifically related to airports and specifically related to alcohol, that would be fine. Mm -hmm. But even bigger and broader than that would be fine as well, right? Because we don't care about an answer that's too strong. There's no such thing as too strong of an answer on this type of a question. Yeah. And that actually comes from the question itself. Sometimes I think our students, right, turn to us and say, well, uh, it's a strengthening question. So is it okay if it's, you know, stronger than it needs to be? And I say, yes, it's a strengthening question. So it's okay if it's stronger than it needs to be. But you don't need to ask me. Look at the question itself. It says, which one of the following principles, if valid, most helps to justify the reasoning? You're looking for the one that does the most to help it. So the stronger it is, the better it is. Yeah, and if valid, which means that you just get to assume the truth of that answer choice when you pick it. Mm -hmm. So which one, if it is in fact true, will do the most to help? Mm -hmm. And yeah, I mean, you, hey, stronger the better, right? Yeah, and sometimes I as students will laugh when I'm like, what if the answer just said, whatever the mayor says is right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's And they go, well, no, that wouldn't work. Why wouldn't it? If that's true, that whatever the mayor says is true, then would that not make the mayor's conclusion true? Well, yeah, right. I guess it would. Well, then that principle, if it were true, would help the reasoning a lot, so much so that the conclusion would now be true. So that would be a correct answer. And they kind of laugh, but it's like, yeah, that's, it doesn't matter how strong it is. Yep. Anyways, Good. sorry. Okay. Yep. That's, that's absolutely right. Yep. Um, a, ownership takes precedence over any other factor. I'm loving this one so far. Yeah. In determining which city's laws apply in a facility owned by one city, but located in oh another. Oh my gosh. That's just it, exactly what we're looking for. <laughs> it is exactly what we're looking for. It didn't even need to say... <laughs> anything after apply, right? Yeah. Or almost even, it could have just said ownership takes precedence. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but ownership takes precedence over any other factor. That's already basically a sufficient assumption. Yeah. Right? And then it says specifically in determining which city's laws apply in a facility owned by one city but located in another. Mm -hmm. Now, what we would do in real life is we would go through B, C, D, E. Mm -hmm. Right? But... I want to point out here that if you're doing this the right way, you should be 99.99% certain that A is the answer. Yeah. Because you've, you predicted it. Yeah. It's very predictable. 
this is clearly the assumption that the Davisville mayor is making. Yeah. Right. And making it explicit in this way does lock up his conclusion. Mm -hmm. And so you should, you should like, I mean, the method is I was attacking the argument. I was anticipating the other side. Now you ask me to strengthen the argument. I go, well, the world's best strengthener is a sufficient assumption. So I'm going to predict a sufficient assumption and, uh, then it, when I read a, and it's just exactly what I'm looking for. I mean, I just know that's the answer. Mm-hmm. Right. But it's like, thank God I took that extra moment to make that prediction mm. and, and really identify with a, because now I'm going to skim through B, C, D, E in what? 10 seconds. Yeah. I mean, B, if one city owns a facility located in another city and a dispute about legal jurisdiction arises, Hmm. Mm, it's like, okay, so far. Yeah. Then the city that owns the facility should offer to sell it to the other city. Oh my gosh. <laughs> sell it. Yeah. Great. Laughable. And if you're doing this right, I think you, you might actually chuckle sometimes, right? Mm-hmm. At, the, at the wrong answers. You're just like, come on. C, if one city owns a facility located in another city, government officials of both cities should settle through negotiation. Okay. I don't have to read the rest of that. Yep. D, a facility located outside of a city is not subject to the laws of that city, even if the facility is owned by the city. Hey, this is the opposite. Yeah, now we're talking about some place out in the countryside and like, <laughs> we don't know where it's not even in a city. Well, what? Who cares? Well, e- I, th- <clears throat> I think that, oh yeah, outside of a city. Oh, that's interesting. I was thinking outside of the city that they were talking about, but because um, it is outside apparently. But the rule is uh, only about the laws of that city anyway. Yeah. So it's like all we're talking about is something outside of city limits mm-hmm. and whether the laws of the city apply. I don't know. It's just, yeah. and, and anyway, it says it's not subject to, mm-hmm. which would hurt this argument. So yep. he's actually a weakener. E, if one city owns a facility ba- located in another city, the residents of both cities should determine which city's laws oh, apply. yes, I agree. Oh, <laughs> democracy. <laughs> yeah yeah totally all right so real easy question there and the answer is a that's just a very basic strengthening question i think the takeaway there is you attack the argument because it puts you in a better position to strengthen it if mm-hmm. they ask you to strengthen it yeah and i'm glad i didn't read that question stem first because that sure wouldn't have helped me <laughs> you know like in fact it would have hurt me like being on the side of the davisville's davisville mayor mm-hmm before reading that argument. Yeah. Eh, maybe you don't catch how bogus it is. Yeah. Anyway. Um, should we do one more or leave it there? I say we leave it there. That was good. Okay. Yeah. We give, we can only give so much. including <laughs> <laughs> the extra free week trial of the demon. That's that right. So many people took advantage of. Cool. Um, oh, I guess I need to wrap it up. Uh, that was show number 166. Thanks all y'all for listening. Nice knowing you. Don't pay for law school. <laughs>